0: welcome to the 8th edition of the About IBD podcast. I'm your host, Erin Vertresca. I'm the IBD expert at VeryWell.com, which I've been doing for quite a long time. I also have my own blog at AboutIBD.com, and you can find me all over the internet with my screen name of About IBD. So today, I have a podcast with my husband and you might think oh well that's a cop-out I gotta tell you it's kind of not he really wasn't that easy of an interview sorry anyway we talk about a period of time in our lives when we met and how we dealt with the question of my having ulcerative colitis when I told him and then things kind of going downhill and to the point where I needed surgery and us getting married. So this covers just a few years and actually quite a short amount of time that we've been together because we've been married almost 18 years. It'll be 18 years in November. But I think it was a good conversation. And as a matter of fact, I think both of us found out a couple of things that we didn't know previously because it's not every day that you sit down and interview your spouse about chronic illness. I recommend it. If you want to record it and publish it, that's totally awesome, but you could also just do it. Anyway, you will enjoy. Be sure to stick around to the end because you get to find out about our wedding. It's a pretty good story. Here you go. So, somebody asked me today how we met. I know i've told I have a way of telling the story. <laughs> I feel like your way of telling the story might be different than mine, yeah, yeah, and I don't know that I've actually ever heard you tell the story. I think we've told it together, but of course, I don't think I've ever heard you tell it to someone without my being present or interacting with it,
1: yeah. So uh, the the way I tell people who don't know about the internet, um, gaming specifically and and muds, multi user dungeons, is I say it was sort of online dating before there was online dating. So now you've got now you've got uh, what what do you well you got Match com. You have a bunch of those other things, and before that we used sort of common shared interests. So we. Uh, met on a mud, and the problem is you can't explain that and just say that without having to explain muds. So then I have to explain muds, which are text-based games. Um, and uh, you and I met as uh, as basically two players in a an adventuring party because uh, at your boyfriend at the time said, "Can you play with Maleficent? She's kind of like by herself. She doesn't know anybody. So can you play with her?" <laughs> and I did. And, um,
0: I don't think I knew that. Yes. I don't, th- I don't think I knew that.
1: That was his fault.
0: Hysterical.
1: And, um, so, and that's how we started, that's how we, 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 quote, air quote, started met. Started
0: talking. Started yeah. talking.
1: And then he came out to, to where I lived at the time on Long Island and said, oh, you want to see my girlfriend? Um, and he showed a picture of you and I know you laugh at this because I kept asking you about it and you were like, I don't know. You were just you. I don't I, know what that picture was. It was like love at first sight. So I was just head over heels of over this woman who looked serious and beautiful at the same time. So I was very entranced and sort of you know was jealous and kept my mouth shut. And then um, and then you know things went from there. But that's where we started. Was was playing on a, a multi-user d- dungeon, which was basically uh, you were I guess a fire sorceress and I was a paladin satyr. And, uh, and it went from there.
0: Right. When I tell it, I, I definitely tell a truncated version because I don't think I even go into what a MUD was. I just say that it was like 92, 93, or like 93, 94. So it was the time you had to tell that into it, basically. Right, And it was a text-based game. And sometimes people would meet up. You'd find because people played from all over the world. And sometimes people would meet up if they were close together geographically, that was easier, or you'd plan a trip. Like, I guess that's what happened, is that some of the guys had planned a trip, and while they were out on the East Coast, I was living in Michigan at the time, and they met up with you, and that's how you met them. And, um, yeah. And then from there, I don't really remember. I remember... That Basically, what I tell people is that at that point, um, my relationship with the other boyfriend was over, and we had been talking on the phone. And then one summer, I literally just got on a plane right. and flew from Detroit to New York and so that we could meet in person and get it figured out.
1: And what's interesting is I do distinctly remember for a long time, I was dating other people. Uh, and I think you were, too. So we were sort of
0: yeah, we romantically inclined like without.
1: Well, it wasn't exclusive. We just weren't there yet. So we sort of yeah. were, we we were pen pals kind of getting in that direction before we actually um, ended up sort of deciding that we were actually going to be an item. But it took, I mean, that, that, that went on while I was undergrad. That went on when you were undergrad, obviously. Um, so that was a, a bit before that actually, we actually did get together.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I I remember. Yeah, so
1: like you said, like because I graduated in '94, so it was I'm from high school. So that was no wait, excuse me, I graduated no. in '90. Yeah. So, '92, around there.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I I was in college, so I was a junior senior when we met, and then we met virtually, and then when we met physically, and I was also trying to remember when I first told you about my ulcerative colitis, it was definitely before we met in person. And I think it may have been over email, which was probably horrible. But um, I think I may have told you pretty early on in the process because I felt as though trying to carry on a relationship is hard enough, trying to carry on a long-distance relationship was even more difficult, and that before you invested anything in it, and and for myself, to protect myself as well, that I should probably tell you. Do you remember that yeah. exchange?
1: Now I'm now I, I'm finally actually remembering, because it, it came up not just in the context of telling me, but it came up because your boyfriend was not great with it, which was interesting. He, he did not address that. it. Right. It was I, not he, addressed. It was one of those things that you, the way you put it to me was he sort of wasn't dealing, it wasn't that he was against it or anything, he was just sort of like, there was definitely this kind of like go walk it off kind of vibe (laughs) Um, you know that wasn't right that wasn't at least the way you explained it to me it was not like it was not the way you wanted it to be handled
0: well and by the way that's fairly typical Um, in previous uh, dating relationships that I had it was either a, a, a go walk it off kind of situation or men would freak out a little bit and not want to deal with it at all mm-hmm. and th- go from not dealing with it to not dealing with me. Um, so that's usually how it went. So the, at that point, I, I had dated a couple people, I think, without ever even telling them anything was going on. Um, and, I ma- and during that time, I managed to cover. Um, so it didn't seem as though I was ill. And I didn't look ill. And, but then at that point, you know, you're, you're 22, you're 23, you're starting to get more serious with people. And it's the type of thing that was like, you, this is going to be part of my life. There was very few treatments at the time and none of them ever worked very well. And I knew that colon cancer was a distinct possibility. And that is a lot for some, to ask someone to deal with. So I felt as though it was important to get that all out on the table.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially when you, because we don't talk about a relationship chronologically very often anymore, there was so much screening that went on before we got to that point where we had been engaged sort of talking and gaming together and getting to know each other sort of mentally before we even met in person. Right. So it, it, I don't think it was nearly a shock this was not like I met you at a bar, right? And you had all invested. of a sudden, right? Um, so there was much more of an emotional and sort of mental investment way ahead of time. Where that was, I'm not going to say it wasn't significant, but it it was just part of who you were. And like I said, you had told me that early, uh, talking to me. So it wasn't any it wasn't anything really, as far as I was concerned. I think it became more of an issue later when you had a flare up, and that's when. Right. We find, that's right. when things were like the status quo that I think you had presented was different later, and that's when I I felt we more had to deal with it than prior to that point, which was that was that was the new normal for me, and and the, I think it had been the normal for you for a little while. So
0: yeah, it had been the normal for me for a while that there were definite ups and downs. Um, now I'm realizing it was mostly downs, and um, it wasn't. It, it, you know it at that time it was hard to think that it would ever be different i guess i guess i thought th- that it would get worse and that it would be worse which was true and did come to pass but i never thought that it would get better and so i think i wanted you to understand that that was the case like that at that moment whatever you know age i was at at 22 23 that this was probably <laughs> as good as it was going to be mm-hmm. And that it was um, probably going to get worse after that. And at that time, I also didn't know if I could have children. We were still in a uh, an era where they were kind of frowning upon um, people getting pregnant and having children, especially on certain medications. And so, it you know, that's something I think, too, you have to talk about with people almost right away because... I mean, it's kind of a deal breaker, you know, if, yeah. if one of you has one expectation and the other has a different expectation, you, you can't ever resolve that. So you have to get that out of the way. So we did finally get to meet. Like I said, I got on a plane and flew from Detroit to LaGuardia. That was a shock. <laughs> <laughs> Getting off the plane in LaGuardia was a shock. New York wasn't what I thought it would be. Um and
1: that you also cut your hair. That was that When did
0: I cut my hair? You cut oh. your hair in between.
1: So I didn't tell these you? No.
0: I didn't tell you? No. I got off the plane with short hair and you yes. didn't know? Oh!
1: That was more of a shock than anything else. You oh told my gosh, really? Did
0: <laughs> I do that? Well, I have a long history of doing that. Of growing my hair out long and then cutting it off short, sometimes very, very well, short. I I've
1: heard that, you know, certain sort of popular media it's sort of a broke up with the boyfriend new haircut kind of thing that was going on so I, I don't know if that was part of the new the new leap. I don't know I, but uh, I think that you actually said that because I was like for a second I wasn't sure it was you I remember I was kind of yeah like I think I'm right right but um yeah that well
0: that's always fun meeting people in person even if you've seen a lot of pictures of them which now you get to see a lot of pictures of people back then it was there was no way to electronically share a photo right so we were actually writing letters. Yeah. Um and sending pictures back and forth right. and then talking on the phone. You right. know, and I think when I had sp- I spoke to you on the phone, I think you had seen a picture of me, but I had never seen a picture of you. Yes,
1: and that was a big deal. Because I staged the picture 40 different ways and I go to take the picture.
0: <laughs> and
1: I sent you the picture and you said all it is is hair and one eye. <laughs> I want a different picture. <laughs> So I had to send a new picture.
0: And you saw a picture of me, and I did. I had no control over that photo. I don't remember it. It is not, nor has it ever been in my possession. I don't. I don't know who took it or when they took it or anything like that. So, not that it matters. I mean, it's you know, all long <laughs> water under the under the bridge.
1: I have plenty of pictures of you now. So yeah,
0: it's it's. I mean, please. Just go to Instagram.
1: Yeah, so does the internet. So
0: (laughs) So does the the rest of the internet. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so then we started our life together, which meant moving, which meant trying to be in the same city, which we had to work out. But then, you know, things definitely got worse for me. Mm -hmm. And then what was your perception that I think I tried to warn you, but I think it's one of those things that no one can ever really warn you exactly what it's going to be like.
1: Well, there were a couple things that came together and it it was probably the worst trip we've ever had in our lives, which was I had to go to an event for Y2K. I think it was the Y2K event where I was a speaker who was unprepared to be a speaker about a topic. I was replacing somebody who Um, had bailed at the last minute, and therefore I was talking about a topic that I knew about, which was the importance of web design in a Y2K world. But I was at a Y2K conference where everybody wanted to talk about the apocalypse, and they were not receptive. I got sick on the way down. You stayed at the hotel at the time. You were swimming and hopefully having a relaxing time. And uh, I got sick so bad I had like an ear infection. I couldn't um, really focus very well, so it it was tough. And then our flight got was problematic my parents had a, we had actually had to take a different which we have never done I think we had to take a different uh land a different airport just so we could get home and during all this I believe you had a flare-up and it was pretty bad I mean you were you were out of it which was scary and it seemed like you were so bad off that you sort of couldn't regain your balance and that was worrisome because to me that was something that I had not witnessed before and that's when I started looking into, on the internet, what, you know, exa- basically there needed to be more than sort of what the status quo that you and I had sort of come to to think was this sort of medicated treatment that you'd stay on, presumably forever. Um, and what s- astonished me, and you sort of mentioned this, was that it was, there were these talks of surgery and all this other stuff. And basically none of it was stay on drugs. Um, partially because of the potential of cancer, which came up, not the drugs, but just the idea that if it wasn't treated, um, you could have polyps and go from there. Uh, And then, of course, you know, from there, that's when we actually found out that was a possibility. So all these things came together. Um, But that, to me, was the moment where I said, somethings we got to do something for you because what was happening before wasn't working anymore. But it was scary because I didn't. I didn't understand, I, I sort of had accepted the status quo as I understood it, which was you would be on medication, yeah, you have to use the restroom occasionally, we had to make sure, you had to have a change of, of clothes, you had to, you know, we we always check where the bathroom was. It's not frankly unlike having children, honestly. I have my own digestive issues, so in some ways I think I understand them more now, but I didn't see that necessarily as anything that was problematic, it was just this is the way you live, it was fine. Um, But then this changed the game. The flare-up changed everything.
0: Right. And during that trip, I think actually we had a couple different trips.
1: So maybe I'm merging the trips. I think
0: you're merging a little bit because um, my surgery was in 99. Right. So, But there was a trip. um, They were all to Florida, different parts of Florida. But I remember specifically uh, trying to get home. And we had a layover for some reason, and we were laid over in an airport, you know, I I can't even remember where it was now, and they really didn't tell you when they were going to start boarding. Right. And we were young. We were in our mid-20s, early to mid-20s, not perhaps very assertive as you know, we would have handled the situation differently had it, would it have happened today? But I remember, like, going back and forth to the bathroom and, like, literally, am I going to be in the bathroom and they're going to start boarding? And this plane, it was already overdue. Everyone was upset. Everyone just wanted to get on the plane and go. And what would, how was that going to affect me? And then the stress of that um, definitely made things worse and then there was really nothing that you could do except watch me walk back and forth to the bathroom yeah. over and over yeah. you know and it was pretty ridiculous at the time and so clearly what we were doing wasn't working anymore but it, you know we were we were on vacation I mean it was a halfway working vacation but right. it wasn't like there was nothing to be done we had to get home right you know before we could do anything And that's, of course, when I, you know, when I did get home and then we had to deal with the situation and get on the path to surgery. But, um, I mean, what (laughs) I think about it sometimes now that I have a J pouch and there's times when I'm ready to go out the door and somebody else has to use the bathroom (laughs) and I'm standing there. Hey, I'm ready to go. Just you, you know, you decide now you have to go to the bathroom. You know, and it's really funny that I get mildly irritated at that because I know that I did that constantly. Yeah. So, like, what was that like for you to be the one waiting for me to come out of the bathroom?
1: Uh, if anything, so I'm now that person, so I'm the one who uses the bathroom before you go. <laughs> and so I adopted that so significantly. And, and again... This is not necessarily that different than having children who you need to make sure they it's, use yeah, the
0: restroom the kid, Yeah, you, you, Yeah, that. but you go, you're going to leave and you go, do you go to the bathroom? And then they go, no. Well, yeah. I told you five times already. Yeah. You need to go. Now I'm going to stand here and wait for you. Right. You know.
1: But that wasn't a concern. The concern for me was always the stress of being near a restroom if you needed it. And the concern that at any time you might need one, we would be somewhere that we couldn't reach one. Quickly, and that was stressful on travel trips, particularly. Right. So that was to me that it wasn't like being impatient about leaving or anything like that. It was more sort of the ongoing stress of sort of going. Wait a minute, we're at Disney. We're on a plane. We're on a train. We're in a car, and you need to use a restroom, and we're in a stretch of driving or whatever that we can't get to one quickly. What do we do? Um, And that's always been. That, that stressed me out more than anything because I felt very insecure until we got to that next location. Um, but it doesn't – it never I, – I get annoyed that you get annoyed now. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you, you I know. You think I'd have more power. <laughs> yeah, a
0: little support. bit
1: more power <laughs> if I want to use the restroom before we leave. But um, but I do think it's – literally, it's funny that you say that though because now I think that's where it started. As um, It was a drilled to me. We use the restroom before we leave because right. everybody does. Right. Um. And I think I probably just started doing that because, you know, why not? Because I did Yeah. You know. Uh, and, oh, and also, too, very often if we left somewhere, you would use a restroom. So I would go use the restroom as well. Right. So if we were at a department store or wherever, we would go and we would both right. go. So I got into that routine.
0: Right. Remember the mall? The mall had, like, ugh, the the bathroom situation at the mall was horrible. Yeah. Like, it was even difficult to go to the mall yeah. and you know we didn't travel a lot at that time and some of it was probably due to finances you just don't have you know money to do that a lot when you're younger but um also too it was such a hassle it was so stressful you know and on a flight that the 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 waiting and i discussed this when i talked to jimmy weinstein in the travel episode episode six of the podcast where you're waiting when you're taking off or when you're landing, and they don't want you getting up. And before, you know, 9 they, 11, they didn't want you. Now, they really, really don't want you. Yeah. And matter of fact, I flew in the couple of years right after 9 11. Um, there were certain times where um, they made you stay in your seat the whole flight. And that was stressful, even having a J-pouch at that time, because of the discomfort with both with the ulcerative colitis previously and then now with the J-pouch. The pain, uh, if you aren't able to get up and go to the bathroom, it can be pretty bad uh, to the point where you really can't focus on anything else. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's very stressful, having to deal with that during travel. So we had that horrible time where things were really going downhill. There, there still wasn't any new treatments, really, that were going to work for me. And then when the doctors looked, things were bad enough that medication wasn't going to turn it around anyway. And I don't remember. Okay, well, you were there after my last colonoscopy, of course, because you took me. Mm-hmm. Were you sitting there when the doctor came in?
1: No. I don't know why. I think we thought this was one of those weird sure. things where I felt very guilty about it later that basically I sat outside to pick you up. I don't know if I had dropped you off to go somewhere or whatever, but I was not in the room with you. And you came out and you just started crying. Oh, no, excuse me. Now I think the doctor called me in. I think you said he called. I'm pretty to talk sure
0: he he would have called you in yes. because when he came into the room... After a colonoscopy, you're very hazy and not quite sure of what's going on as you're coming out of the anesthetic. He came in, and the look on his face was very scary. Yeah. And he was frightened. He was clearly frightened for me and told me that they were running blood work right away to look for um, some cancer markers because he was afraid that I already had cancer
1: well and I think it was he found polyps right that was it,
0: he it um there were so many he couldn't do anything about right.
1: them. right and I remember his words were something along the lines of and you were still medicated so you didn't it was this delayed reaction because he said you are too young to have this young lady and that was the I remember him calling you a young lady and sternly saying that right. and that's when you started crying because it was a very it was such a, like you said, he was afraid, but, you know, doctors being afraid. I think he was from, upset.
0: Yeah. He was upset at what he saw. Right. Yeah. And
1: that was, began the journey of my lifelong rage at so many other processes and people who were involved <laughs> up to that point because he punctured the, the bubble that I had up to that point that you had been, in my opinion, given the right advice on how to manage going forward. And I think, unfortunately, what had happened is because you were going away to college, you were largely on your own whatever you had worked before was sort of on autopilot. Um, the world had moved on. You had obviously physically changed as well. And uh, what worked before wasn't working. So I, that shook my world enough that I really started going to the internet, which of course was a new thing at the time um, in terms of information, medical information to, uh, to, to see what was out there. And that's, you know, he, certainly he had talked about this, but that's when surgery started coming up. Um, and all of a sudden there was this other discussion that wasn't just stay on drugs for the rest of your life.
0: Right. Well, I never wanted the surgery. Yeah. It had been presented to me twice previously with my first flare up because I was not responding to anything. It took a while. And then again with my, uh, Yeah, it was was my second flare because I flared pretty much like a year after um, we got the first one under control. And then they started seeing it again and I never wanted it. It didn't seem to me to be a great solution. I would have happily taken medication. There's, you know, people that feel the opposite and that's totally fine. But for me, I wanted to take medication and go along and I didn't want to have any surgery but that and those other on those other two occasions we were able to turn it around like right. just barely and which was good because we're talking that was also like 8990 so at least I was able to put off that surgery for a while the technique got better and you know, I when it did come time that there, at this point there was no choice. Even though um, some new medicate, there was at least one new medication that was available, and there was another one that could have held out a couple of years would have come on. That was not going to happen because things were going to get bad, and cancer was on the table.
1: And that's what I didn't understand, which was um, I didn't understand the risk. Of just being on the drugs. Um, In other words, I understood the risk of just being on the drugs in the context of your situation. What I didn't understand was that literally death could be on the table potentially without, and, and sort of be untreated, unchecked if it, if it was allowed to continue. So that was a wake up call because he was saying there were markers that that could happen early. Um, and that changed everything.
0: Right. Well, it's, you know, with the, with the disease like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, that I, that's always on the table. You really don't know what's going to happen. And that's why even surgery, which has improved my life markedly, and I've said before and I'll say it again, anyone who is considering J-Pouch surgery and their physicians are telling them that they're a good candidate, I don't see why they wouldn't do it. Um, but at the same time, surgery comes with a whole bunch of risks in and of itself so there's there's always risks you know you walk around with a risk of blood clots with a risk of toxic megacolon I mean you know these are just things that could happen and so I guess I knew but then but but then at that point it was like no you are now definitely at risk for Um, also, um, my colon was so ulcerated that he was worried that it could perforate. Right. Um, and then we'd have a big problem and then that would be emergency surgery. Well, what stuck
1: with me with what, the way he put it, and I say the young lady piece was you were too young in his opinion for this to be happening. Like that was his sort of response was sort of, he was angry because he felt like this had been allowed to get this far, and they, something needed to be done. And it certainly stuck with me, and I think it stuck with you too, which was sort of what seemed like a distant possibility was now here. I mean, this was not in 10 years. This was We weren't even married. Um, we didn't have kids. I mean, there were all these plans that we had that we weren't even potentially going to have at all uh, if we didn't address it. So it, was, it brought it home.
0: Right. Well, I think, too, that it, perhaps at that time again with the whole not seeming to be that sick, I think I compensated very well Mm -hmm. and you know, even previously I would have my blood checked and my, you know, my levels would be so low that they would then confine me to bed, things like that. Although I never felt like they were worried about me falling, things like that. And I never felt that, like I would be up walking the halls Mm -hmm. had they allowed me out of bed. Um, so I think at that time my physicians were falling into that situation where it it didn't I, I didn't look like I was ready to perforate at any moment, you know that no. I had deep ulcers in in my colon and then I had riddled I believe the word he used was riddled riddled with polyps, so it was a shock to him and I don't want to say that not being taken seriously. But kind of maybe not being taken seriously yeah. um, because I was a new patient for him and had come in and described and I don't know that he contacted my other physicians or, or or not at that time. I certainly wasn't able to get a hold of the records. I was in a different state um, and uh, I think that he thought he was going to find some inflammation in my sigmoid and... He was going to put me on a medication that had just been approved and we were going to move on, you know. And then when he got in there and saw what he saw, he freaked out, which is, that's kind of rare. I mean, <laughs> you know, obviously he'd been in practice a long time. He'd seen some stuff. Yeah.
1: You know. Well, and, and you know, uh, certainly from my own medical issues, a lot of times you get the impression that a lot of the patients these doctors see are elderly. Um, and when you have a young person come in with some of these situations, they get very upset. Uh, and that was what came across where he was like, and like I said, he kept saying, you're too young to have this at this point. And it doesn't absolve anybody based on age, but it, it it stuck with me because it it sort of summed up again, we were kind of going along with the status quo and the status quo was not going to work and it wasn't going to work immediately. It wasn't like in five years you should think about, or, maybe in a year, it was, you have to deal with this right now, and not casually right now Try this new drug. It wasn't, you know, no. you drink something differently. Or, it was um, a pretty, I mean, the equivalent of a cesarean, frankly, you know, and more um, early uh, before we even got uh, married, I think, right? Because the surgeries were before then, were they, I think? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I had my surgeries, and we got married in the same year. Right. So, um, it would have been like December, January that I had that last colonoscopy and I had the step one of the J Pout surgery in March. He, that was too long. Should actually probably not have gone that long, but I, um, kind of insisted on getting a couple of different opinions. Right. Um, which was a good thing because I ended up with the right people for the job, and it worked out um, really well in the end. I think I think had it gone had it gone the way that my gastroenterologist would have wanted it, like I think he probably would have it admitted me and started down the path like right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to find the the right surgeon. I knew that that was extremely important. Even at that time, I knew that it was important. I, I was also not um, working as a writer or as an IBD advocate or expert. I was doing something completely different. It was a, a steep learning curve on my part at that time as well.
1: Well, and if you think about the stress, you know, we talk about how the travel and the, and the stress around your flair, but you and I had moved. We had both finished up degrees. We moved across the country different ways, halfway across the country. Um, we started new jobs in new cities. We had my family somewhat nearby, but not like, not like we had family in the same neighborhood. When I talked about moving out to, to see you and, and sort of go to school and all that, I had one person I knew who took me aside and said, that's a lot. You're taking on a lot. So imagine that twice now for you, right? So not just me, it's you also. It was a lot to take on. And and then, of course, get married.
0: At the time, it didn't really seem, it was like everybody moves to go to school. You, You move and you go to school there and then you get a job and then you end up moving again. It just, I mean, that was, seemed, not that it's not stressful, but it just seemed like that's what you do and you handle it. I think
1: I remember counting and thinking it was nine times I said oh we've moved because we'd move during the summer we would move we kept Uh, moving and we would move to every we had a new apartment or something every
0: right because during the school year you'd have one apartment and then in the summer you'd have a different apartment yep then of course when you finished I finished my degree and then you had a little bit longer to go to finish your masters and then we moved again (laughs) And then you got a job, and then we moved again. (laughs) And in the middle of all that, trying to manage my disease, which was being under-treated, but we didn't really know that at the time. What's funny about that doctor saying that I was too young is that I think I said it when I was first diagnosed, or somebody said it. I don't know whether it was one of my parents or someone, and my gastroenterologist said, actually, this is the age when people get diagnosed with colitis." Yeah, it sucks to be young and sick, but you're not too young for this. You are the age at which this happens to people. And then when I had that last colonoscopy, that was almost 10 years after I was diagnosed. So... I had what they call long-standing disease. So it, it, I know it was a shock um, what they discovered when they went in there, but it was kind of not, shouldn't really have been a shock. Uh-huh. That's what happens when you have disease for that long. So it's just one of those things that I really wasn't aware of that at the time. To be fair, it was more of a shock to me <laughs> that it went that way because I it was, that was never explained to me.
1: Yeah, and, and it's not, I never thought that you were hiding anything. I, I think it was, like I said, I, I really felt like once you went to college, um, you were largely sort of, you know, on autopilot trying to finish and then we were sort of involved with ourselves. So we were, we were not worried about, the, the, the internet wasn't as accessible even though we we met on the Internet, but it wasn't like there was medical information. So there wasn't a lot to get into that bubble to tell us one way or the other. And then what happened was once the one doctor gave that diagnosis, surgery was on the table very quickly, and then there was all these discussions about all these other things and and meeting these other people uh, and understanding that there was another world out there where this was um, something other people shared, and this is how they treated it, and surgery was certainly one of the treatments, air quote treatments. Um, that that was an outcome. So I thought that was a huge uh, eye-opener.
0: Right. And then I don't remember. So we found out in January I would need surgery. I had my first surgery in March, which was a colectomy and J-Pouch creation. And then I had the takedown surgery in June. Mm -hmm. And our wedding was in November. I don't remember being really... Um, feeling really stressed out or what, what was more stressing was um, trying to figure out how to pay for everything Yep. because my surgeon it, you know insurance didn't pay for everything but I wanted my guy and so I was willing to pay for my guy and did and um, So then trying to finance a wedding on top of that, even though it was um, what I guess people would consider to be a smaller wedding, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have any financial help at that time, you know, my dad had already passed away, and so I remember being more concerned about money (laughs) really than anything else, Mm -hmm. you know, was that, is that your recollection
1: um, at which stage, I guess, depends. Like after the surgeries, or just as we were planning this all out, or
0: yeah, kind of like that year, that 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 year of nineteen ninety nine when yeah. all of these things happened.
1: Yeah, I um, well, that's when I started my job too. That I'm st- you know still to this day I'm.
0: I feel like it was bef- it was right before that. Right, it was right October that... of ninety eight. Right. That You're right. you started was, that was, job it because it we moved was right after. again. Right. We moved and you started. Um, oh no 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 no. no. That's not, that's not right. I'm getting it wrong. You did start your job yes. because you were going to start that job and you had to tell them, I'm getting married right. literally like a couple weeks after starting. Yep. Right. So it was starting from January of that year, it was two surgeries. Yep. Um, it was moving. Yep. You starting a new job right after we moved. My job, I think I still had the same, I think I had the same job throughout, mm-hmm. and then getting married right after that.
1: Yes, and yeah. that was a lot. No, I, I do remember saying we were going to, we had held off on getting married Yeah. Um, for money reasons, and it was sort of getting ridiculous. You had moved across the country, and we just needed to do it. So once you sort of made that, I think you remember like. When's this going to happen? We're like, oh, that's it. We're going to do it uh, and speed this up. And um, we decided to do it. And, and again, I would argue that this new situation emphasized how urgent it was that we sort of move our plans along because uh, I don't think the world was going to wait, um, particularly with the surgery. So once we knew the surgery was going to be, you know, over at a certain point, then I, I do remember thinking we would, if we, if we had to delay, we would, if we felt like we had to.
0: Right. And, well, a couple things had happened. Um, A boss that I had basically told me, I think I was explaining to him, eh, we're trying to save up some money, you know, or whatever it was. And he said, you can't do that. He said, whatever you are going to do, you just need to go and do it. Mm -hmm. Just don't wait. There's never a perfect time that's going to come along for any of these things. Just do it. And you and I actually talked about getting married before my surgery because we had a real very valid concern that if something did go wrong you were I mean I had a ring but you know you were the boyfriend. That's right. And how was that going to be handled? Uh, For instance if I fell into a coma or something like that and decisions needed to be made You were well aware of what I would want and what I would not want, yet you really would have no legal authority to help in those matters, and would they even ask you? So we did briefly consider it. In all honesty, we probably should have just gone and gotten married before just to eliminate any concern about that. But we did end up waiting until everything was all.
1: Well, that's when the big mystery was whether the officiant said, just sign this, oh, technically now you're married.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. I like, yeah. wait. Yeah. Well, you mean that's, that's really how it happens?
1: Because then we, you know, we just didn't know. Cause no. Oh, point. I
0: knew because when I had um, been uh, maid of honor at my sister's wedding and the officiant came and we signed the paper and he said, oh, they're married right now. Right. Like that's really that's the thing. So the rest of it is yeah, you know, window dressing kind of.
1: Yeah, well, and we, and we wanted the wedding. We we had our wedding exactly where we wanted it.
0: Yeah, I think. Right. Uh, I don't
1: know if you feel that way. I feel that way. It was exactly what I wanted. It was exactly yeah. the way we wanted it. How we wanted it. Who was there. Um. So I think it all worked out. But it was. It's amazing when you look back, and certainly I think when you're younger at that stage, and because you're so used to change, you're much more resilient. Uh, and, and right. willing to take those risks and go, right. we'll just go with the flow. Um, and we did. And so I was, it was a lot, it was a lot yeah, to take on in one year. Right. But it all worked out.
0: It, it all worked out, but it wasn't intentional to have it done that way. I think I want to take a few minutes before we wrap up because our wedding was interesting. and um it's kind of funny when you get into a discussion with and it doesn't happen so much anymore Mm -hmm. you know now we've been married it'll be 18 years in november Mm -hmm. That it doesn't happen so much that people want to talk about about your wedding or even necessarily ask about what it was like um but we did not have uh your typical white wedding in a church no what did we do
1: uh, we got married at medieval times,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, in full regalia, with all of the um, what what's, what's your wedding staff? Your
0: uh, your attendants, your
1: attendants, addressed as well,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, with an officiant uh, in in medieval times. So it was actually at the the restaurant. It's a mm-hmm. restaurant, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you got a dinner and a show. Mm-hmm. So you also got a knight who uh, who battles for your
0: honor and and mm-hmm. uh, and our knight won. I remember your dad going, "Oh, our night better win. (laughs) It was so funny because it didn't even occur to me that, oh, yeah, it's my wedding and I'm paying them all this money. I mean, it was very reasonable, but, you know, that they should have our night win. Right. That never occurred to me.
1: Yeah. Well, and and I think the other thing was uh, it wasn't overtly stated. Um, In fact, many people would ask me later, was that? Was that an accident? Was that what? an accident? Yeah. But it, what it did is it added to the fun. They didn't know. Um, it just added to. Oh, like mystique. our guests? Yeah. Yeah. All, no. All of our guests course. Know. So I mean, the well, whole many thing. of
0: them had never been to a medieval times, so, right? So they didn't know,
1: right? Yeah. That it
0: was a, a you went, you sat, and you eat dinner, and there's jousting, and then there's a storyline, and the storyline at the time, I believe, was there was a black knight, yep. and well, there the storyline is they're having a joust, kind of a you know. Um, uh, Robin of Loxley, kind of a yeah. thing. And then a black knight comes in and disrupts the whole thing, and then one of the knights wins the day. right. And it and whenever you go, like you really don't know who's going to win the day. They do change it right From night to night. And so it, that night, uh, our knight won. and then, of course, he picks a lady from his mm-hmm. section of um, the stands. And of course they picked me. Of course. <laughs> you know, I remember walking up to the to the um, the balcony where the king and the queen were. I didn't have my glasses on. <laughs> I was like totally just blind and they were asking me who I was and I think I gave my maiden name and then I was like, "Oh no, no, my name was Jessica <laughs> and you know, it was very it was the whole thing was just comical." Yeah. You know, um but fun. And people who were there still say to me, They have forgotten other weddings or, you know, as time goes on, you go, did that happen at so and so's wedding or so and so's wedding, you know? And people will tell me, uh, I I remember your wedding from beginning to end. I'll never forget it. I remember when we were planning it, um, there was a lot of uh hesitation on the part of family members they weren't really sure what to expect yeah um there was a concern that we were not taking the institute of marriage seriously
1: yeah
0: um i would just like to say that we've now been married almost 18 years (laughs) so clearly that was not really the case it was just that we wanted something different um my dress was purple and we were like medieval renaissance, that's right. kind of the style, and I knew what I wanted, and I actually met my dressmaker on the internet, I met her in a IBD support group, and she just so happened to be a amazing seamstress, she made my dress, she found a way to come to the wedding, and she had Crohn's disease. And I say had because, sadly, a few years ago she did um, pass away. Um, Her name was Anastasia, and she was amazing. And, of course, I still have my dress that's hanging in my closet as we speak. And we had several friends who were into reenacting, and they dressed up as Knights Templar. Mm -hmm. They all, many of them had swords, but I think some of them had to obtain swords. So they all came in with their swords.
1: I'm looking at the pictures. And
0: yeah, as we're in our, as we're sitting here in our guest room, looking at some of the pictures on the wall of our wedding, and uh, all of our friends with their um, medieval outfits on. I mean, so many people came dressed up. I don't know that I ever counted or attempted to count how many people did, but you know, um, my immediate family did, your immediate family did, and then many many of our friends made, borrowed, bought clothing and and came dressed and it was uh really a fun night
1: Yeah, it was amazing it was amazing yeah. and it only took 17 years later for you to become an official lady
0: oh that I, yeah that i now own you are i now lady. own land in scotland i think some of it's in ireland and some of it's in scotland
1: it really right yeah no, it's two different parcels i think they're on the same it's
0: two part. different parcels but i actually have two and i actually have two different titles because of that oh okay so yeah and you know what i can't now remember the name of the company i'm going to have to put it in the show notes yeah so if people want to do this that you can purchase a certain amount of property and what it is is it's they're trying to preserve this property um so it also fits in with my um uh Belief in environmental concerns mm-hmm. that they're preserving these properties, and they came up with a very interesting way to do so. That then you own this property, and then because you own the property, you have a title. So,
1: You're I am, You're a,
0: I'm, a, I'm landed, and I am a lady, mm-hmm. so I am Lady Amber. The, the title is not transferable, so um, when I kick it, it doesn't go. To my son or my daughter, or even to you, should right. you survive me. Um, but in in any case, yes, I am. But what? Th- there's a derogatory term for that, isn't there? People that buy their way into the nobility.
1: Oh, that's a good question. I'm sure I think there that is.
0: I think there is because there's sure the people there. that inherited it, and and then there's the people that buy into it, and it's
1: it's the real cracks. deal. though. it's it Oh, it's up.
0: it's the real deal. You can go and visit. You yeah. can take a whole trip and see your. 10 square feet or whatever yep. it is, yep. you know, but, um, yeah, fun. Did you get that from our anniversary? Was that, or was uh, that, I'm trying to remember when yes, you got that I think from it, me. Yes,
1: I think it was anniversary. Just maybe. last year, yep. I think. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. I suppose we should probably get used to property, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I I married well.
0: <laughs> you really did. I mean... <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> you, t- you took my line. I actually say that a lot. I say, eh, I married well, particularly when it comes to insurance because, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I can just siphon off your insurance and that leaves me free to do things like podcast.
1: <laughs> well, and you think about sort of where we are now so much further on and it's sort of, I mean, medical bills, child bills, you know, degrees, all that stuff, um, to be able to be able to actually pay all that off and and do all that is huge to be able to actually do that. Because I think that was a concern is that if these bills piled up, you had two surgeries, I had just started your job and we got married. So that's a significant
0: debt load. Well, and it was for a long time. It was a significant debt load because I paid... You know, not everything was covered for these surgeries, yeah. and so we and then not only that, but there was the ongoing you know your care doesn't stop there, right it goes on, so there was always you know there's always bills to pay. We blow through that um, deductible every year, yeah, just on me, yeah. not even on you know the other three members of the family who yeah. have their own you know, situations. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, I, I didn't want the surgery for a long time because I never felt as as though it was something, it was kind of like, you know, you're just, it, the situation's just going to continue. So, you know, why should I go through this? And of course, you know, the surgery has, has done wonders and has made a lot of things possible for me, but it's also, it didn't cure me of anything. Except, I can hold it. (laughs) And I didn't die. So, I I did die. And and that, yeah. Yeah, didn't die. Can hold it. Um,
1: I'm just glad that uh, 18 years later, still going strong, that uh, I feel like... that was a lot of things 18 year eighteen year ago, 18 years ago self had to take on for both of us. And uh, I think they'd be very pleased with how it worked out.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right because, I mean, you have no idea, obviously, what's going to happen. And the fact that we were trying to plan, we were trying to plan for the worst case scenario and worst case scenario did not, thankfully, occur. So we were able to get through.
1: And they lived happily ever
0: after? <laughs> Pretty much. I learned a couple of things. Well, that's good. Or at yeah. least what what I don't remember. <laughs> or things I No, I mean it's interesting because we sort of can fill in each other's and it's not like we sit down and reminisce about, you know, what was the most eventful year of our life? Yeah. Like, you know, we don't it's not like we do that necessarily, although and and I, I don't even think I've really written about it, but I should say I haven't published anything on it to this point. So um, it's not something that we've had to sort of pick over and digest and think about um, quite in this way. What should we talk about for the next time you come on the podcast?
1: Well, I think we should probably pick up from where we left off. There's so much off. to talk about. I yeah. Mean, you could talk about... Sort of the surgery, the surgery itself, yeah. which was a momentous three months, right, um, was huge. I and think that probably left a huge impression. Yeah. Um, so that was one piece. I think would be huge. Just the sur- from surgery in the surgery through the takedown, or is that the right yeah. word? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's one thing, and I think you know the the whole question around kids. I think was a big
0: stressful
1: yeah. thing for a long time, and I think right. you could easily talk about that. Uh, you know, from there, and then and then. That's at least two topics, and then there's probably a bunch more based on...
0: There is, Yeah, there is a lot more. Concern
1: about children having it and genetics, and I mean, that's a whole thing. that's a whole thing. uh, I think we talk about that. And also, you know, selfishly, I've come to sort of be much more sensitive of my digestive challenges, and I think it's made me better educated and, and sort of more sensitive to that and more understanding. So there's sort of a whole as a partner who doesn't have that specific
0: mm-hmm. situation,
1: but it doesn't mean I don't have my own situation. Yeah. Um, Which, I think there's a lot you can talk about there too.
0: So. Right. Yeah, definitely. And how that's informed how you have approached things in your life and also how you approach other people in your life yes. because people do come to, come to you all the time um, because of me Yeah, and discuss things with you and of, you know, themselves or a family member or a friend or whatever and um things like that. So it's definitely changed your life in that way. So which I get all the time too. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well now you're like a s you're celebrity literally a bit. So, there's no way that, that it's part of your your defining characteristics.
0: I know. So. It's in every conversation just leads back to it. And yeah. it's like I can't not that I ever try to get away from it, I don't, but it's just like and then sometimes I forget that not everybody wants to talk about this all the time <laughs> talk about your pooper <laughs> or lack thereof
1: or oh, lack thereof
0: okay thanks. thanks for having me I hope oh. you I hope
1: you bring me back I uh, I you know back.
0: I, I think so I maybe I might look at the statistics afterwards <laughs> oh, boy. and see how people react before <laughs>
1: if anybody's listening please vote
0: me <laughs> <up>. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come back <laughs> You want to come back on the show. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we'll see. Okay. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. Bye. And there you have it. That was episode eight with my husband, Mike. I hope you enjoyed listening and being a fly on the wall. I'm not going to lie. We were probably having an adult beverage while we were talking. It was pretty fun. If there's one thing I would hope that young people would take away from our experience, it's that you don't have to settle for who you decide to spend your life with. The right person is out there for you. You'll notice that my husband said that I told him about the ulcerative colitis and while he really didn't have a good frame of reference, I don't know that he could have objectively made any kind of decision regarding that, he said it really wasn't a determining factor in deciding whether or not to pursue our relationship. And I know it's not that way for everyone, but it should be because it's just part of you and when you have a strong foundation, you can get through it together. And obviously we did. We have a lot more story to tell and we will, but we are still married. So obviously we dealt with it. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me everywhere on the internet at About IBD, and you can find my husband, too. Mike has written several books for the Dungeons & Dragons franchise, and his screen name is World of Wellstar. I'll definitely put it all in the show notes so that you can easily find him. If you have any interest in tabletop role-playing games and sci-fi geekiness in general, you will want to follow him. Thank you
1: thing was in my drink and I'm afraid it was a bug
0: it was one it's of those little, it was one of those
1: little gnats I don't know I like it's not gonna hurt you I, it doesn't matter it was just gross me out now I can't stop looking at it
0: like, I mean I've probably drank a few of those not gonna lie
1: well you can't sip it then you gotta guzzle it well <laughs>